Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our annual youth and young adults event called Amplify Conference. This year's theme was Nowhere. Taken from John 6, many followers of Jesus abandoned him after hearing what they thought to be hard teaching. Jesus then looked at the 12 disciples and asked if they were leaving too. Peter's response is profound as he says, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal. Jesus needs to be our only option, and in effect, we have nowhere else to go. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Come on, can you make some noise for Jesus tonight if you're alive in the building? Hey, you can be seated, be seated. Wow, 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 wow. What a privilege it is to be here, man. My goodness. How many enjoyed worship tonight? You know, I can always tell where I'm at by how the room engages in worship. And uh, it was incredible just to be standing there with Randy, my wife, and just looking and not just seeing uh, young adults worshiping, but just seeing like literally look like 12 and 13-year-olds and just people going after the presence of God. And if you didn't know this about worship, worship is not what you do. Uh, Worship is a picture of who you are. When you understand who you are, it's not a struggle to lift your hands. It's not a struggle to be in the presence of God. And I just feel such an anointing here tonight to do something special. I believe that the last two nights have only been preparing us for what uh, God wants to do tonight. And so such an honor to be with you, man. Uh, Greetings and and just so, so excited to be here. I want to take a second and thank God for Pastor Mike and his wife. Come on, can we honor them tonight? Just so thankful for you both, the Texans, and uh, we love you. We're thankful for your vision, thankful for what you've done all these years, every seed you've sown. It's great to just see the fruit here. And uh, the Bible says, Proverbs 11, he who refreshes others will be refreshed himself. And I think your time has been a seed that's leading you to where you guys are now. And uh, we're behind you. We're excited about what God's doing down there. And uh, we support you. We love you. Uh, So thankful, too, man, to hear about Pastor Omar and just what's going on here at Praise Chapel in Paramount. So I want to honor senior pastor here. We love you, Pastor. Thankful for you. Uh, Yeah, come on. We clap our hands. I'm excited. I'm here tonight with my wife of four years, Miss Miranda. And uh, Miranda and I met in church. She's a worship leader at our church. And I always say it's so hard to worship. Uh, when you got a beautiful woman standing right in front of you. So if she was worshiping on that side, I used to have to come stand on this side, you know, just stay focused on Jesus. But um, I love you so much. And we just share a moment right now. I'm just so thankful for you. Wouldn't, wouldn't, be, able to, <laughs> wouldn't be able to do this without you. And I love you. And uh, yeah, I'm going to look this way. Hey, my pastor sends his greetings. Our senior pastor, Pastor Obed and Pastor Lisette Martinez, uh, we, lead it, we are a part of an, a movement called Destiny, and we have two campuses in the Palm Springs area, and so we're from Indio, it's where our main campus is, we have another one in Palm Springs, and then just last year, we launched a location out here in Torrance, and my wife and I moved out here, yeah, <laughs> my wife and I moved out here about three weeks ago, and uh, we're excited actually tonight, I got some of our team from South Bay back there over there, so we're glad they're here tonight. And uh, I'll tell you what, just meeting just what Praise Chapel has meant to this region, just starting to meet some of the other youth pastors and campus pastors and just lead pastors, uh, something's happening in Southern California. 
And we are seeing a movement, not just of a church, but of the church. Tonight, you're not here because you're a part of a singular church just by yourself. You're here because you're a part of something greater. You're a part of something bigger. And I believe tonight God wants to do something specific. I believe that prophetically God has you here for a moment, not just so you have a good time, but so that you take what you've experienced these last couple of days and release it into your world. Okay, the gospel is not just a message we receive. The gospel is a message we receive and then release. Okay, we have too many Christians that are spiritually obese, holding on to what they've received, holding on and just chewing it on themselves, not knowing that outside of these walls, not knowing that at your school, at your workplace, in your world, there are people hungry and desperate for something that you get to taste every single week. And so tonight, I'm going to speak to you as if you're going to go do something, okay? I'm going to speak to you, and hopefully God will equip you that when you leave this place, you'll be so on fire, it won't stop because the night ends. But you'll see something continue into this weekend and all the way through next week. And so I'm excited to speak to you tonight. I feel like preaching. And uh, if, you, if you've never heard me speak before, uh, you could just, you, you know, I know how it is here, but if I say something good, you could just say, that's good. If I, hear, if, if I say something really good, you could say, you better preach that. If I say something really good, you better say, preach, white boy. And if I say something, you just, just give the stank face. Just, mm, yes. That's good. But God wants to do something great tonight. Are you ready? Come on, would you turn to somebody next to you and say, are you ready? Come on, if you have a Bible, would you open it up tonight? Go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And you can just hang out with a second. Just keep playing. You sound so good. Uh, but John chapter 6, I'm excited to kind of end what we've been talking about all weekend long. And uh, Thursday night, we heard from Jacob. How many enjoyed that message on Thursday night? Come on, what a word. And then last night, we heard from Pastor Mike and just everything that God did through him last night and just kind of continuing the whole theme of nowhere. And just kind of asking, asking God to show us how much commitment that we can give to him. John chapter 6, I'm going to be brief tonight because I want to go back into worship. But if you have your Bible, go to John chapter Sorry, not John chapter 6, John chapter 8. Someone say amen. John chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 31. If you don't have it, we got it on the Sky Bible, I think, over here. John chapter 8, verse 31. We've been talking a little bit about this story. Sorry, I don't even know where I'm preaching at. John chapter 6, y'all, my bad. John chapter 6. I'm, do, I'm doing John chapter 8 tomorrow, my bad. John chapter 6, here it is, verse 28. And it says this, it says, Then they said to him, What shall we do? that we may work the works of God. If you remember this story, Jesus has just got done feeding a multitude of people. He takes some fish, he takes some bread, and he feeds literally thousands of people in a miraculous way. And after Jesus does a miracle, these people come looking for him. You gotta be very careful that you don't fall in love with Jesus just for what he can do for you. You have to be careful that you don't pursue God just for what he can give you. Because we do not pursue God to get something. We pursue him in a response that we have already received something. And they come to him and they say, hey, Jesus, what do we got to do to do the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe. Someone say believe. In him, who he, in him whom he sent. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you do then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? They said, you know, our fathers, they ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you that bread, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. I want you to get that. Verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said, you want to talk about bread? I am the bread. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Uh, if I were going to title this message tonight, I would call it, Don't Miss It. Don't miss it. Secondary title, I like titles. Second title that I would give you is, I feel like eating. I feel like eating. Can we pray one more time? Father, thank you for what you've done. We're expectant for what you want to do. I pray there'd be no familiarity in this moment. I pray tonight you would unlock and unleash the things that are hidden inside of us. Let us come to the end of ourselves that we would see you as you really are. We love you. Holy Spirit, we give you permission for the few moments that we share. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you turn to like two, three people and say, I feel like eating. I feel like eating. And then turn to someone else and say, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Uh, have, has anyone ever been parasailing before? Yes, do you know what parasailing is? You know what parasailing is? If you don't know what parasailing is, parasailing is where they take a human being and they strap a parachute to them, and they tie this human being wearing a parachute to the back of a boat. And the boat goes through a river or a lake, and what you do is you jump up in the air, and literally as the boat pulls you, you fly up into the air almost like in a sailing movement. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, I think people that do this are crazy. I don't like doing crazy things. I don't like roller coasters. I feel like I'm going to die when I'm on them. Uh, I, don't like thrill. I don't like any of that stuff. But true story, my family and I, years and years ago, I think I was like six years old at the time, we were in Jamaica, and my dad wanted to go parasailing. And so I was six. When you're six, you haven't experienced much of life, so everything seems cool. So I remember telling my dad, let's do it. And, and my dad took us to the beach, and there was these Jamaican guys, kind of shady, not really sure if it was safe. And they were just kind of like, okay, we're going to take you out into this platform in the middle of the ocean, and then the, the boat will come by, and you'll jump up and go flying into the air. And I was six, so I was kind of like... We're just going to jump up and then fly through the air. And so they took us out onto this little raft, and we get onto this raft, and it's shaking. It's, like, made out of wood. And I'm six years old. And so, you know, when you're six, you can't parasail by yourself. So you're strapped. Like, I was strapped in front of my dad. You know what I mean? So I'm like this, and my dad's like this. And I'm like, you know. And when the boat comes by, you jump up in the air, and it was the most incredible experience. We jumped up in the air. We were flying. I remember just going around. I felt like I was on top of the world. Like, once you get up there, it's the coolest thing. Like, you can see super far, and the people look like ants down there. And remember, we were up there about 10 minutes, and when we started coming around, the goal was that you would land back on the same platform that you took off from. And so, like, we're coming around, and I remember, like, we're coming down, and we're not even close to the platform. And I, I, I looked at my dad, and I, I'm like, I don't think we're going to make it. I was sick, so it was more like, I don't think we're going to make it. And these Jamaican guys are kind of waving their hands at us and like, we're coming down. And my dad's like, we're going to be fine, you know, and, and we're coming down. And rather than landing on the platform, we smacked up against the side of it and fell into the water. And all I remember hearing was these Jamaican dudes, pull them up, pull them up, pull them up, pull them up, pull them up. And that was the last time I ever went parasailing. But... But have you ever missed something? 
Have you ever expected that things were going to work out a certain way, but you kind of didn't land where you thought you were going to land? Have you ever had a moment in your life where you had a plan all worked out and, and someone had even told you this is how things are going to go? And when you stepped out in faith or you tried to do something new, you were ready to land right on that thing only to smack up against the side of it? <laughs> Maybe relationally you've dated somebody and you thought you were going to land smoothly, but instead you kind of smacked up against the side of it. Maybe you were looking for a safe place to grow, a safe place to learn and know something, uh, but when you tried it, it didn't really work out how you planned. It's amazing how the human, the human condition is so quick to miss things. We don't see things as they really are sometimes. We miss exits on the freeway. We miss phone calls. We miss learning things because we're looking for one thing, but we kind of miss something for what it really is. This is what's going on in John chapter 6. The Bible says Jesus has been doing miracles. He's been healing people. He's been doing incredible things. I mean, you think Justin Bieber has status. When Jesus would show up, everybody knew. Jesus would be walking through towns, and people had heard about him. They had known who he was. They were whispering when he came into town, that's Jesus. Dad, you remember the guy with the leg that grew up? That's him. <laughs> no, that's him. As soon as he showed up, people began to talk. You always know there's something on your life when you walk into an environment and people start talking. Ha. Never get quiet. Never get afraid when people talk about you because they only talk when you're doing something great. Jesus shows up and people start talking. That's Jesus. That's the dude. That's the guy. Remember Lazarus? Raise him from the dead. Remember? That's him. That's the guy. Jesus shows up and he starts doing miracles. And the Bible says that they were waiting for a person like Jesus. But they missed him when he came. He came doing these miracles, and people fell in love with the function of Jesus rather than the person of Jesus. People said, oh, that's the miracle worker. We'll follow him. Don't get me wrong. God does miracles. Can I hear an amen? He does great things. But it's easy to fall in love with someone who does something. Falling in love with Jesus is not the hard part. Staying in love with Jesus is. And we see Jesus come and do miracles. And the Bible says, verse 28, we just read it, John chapter 6, it says these guys come to him and they're like, hey, Jesus, how do we, what, tell us what to do. It literally says this in verse 28. It says, what shall we do that we may do the works of God? I love this about humanity because we just want to know what to do. We just tell us the steps. You know, if you're going through something, you ever pray a prayer like, God, just tell me what to do. I constantly, growing up, had a hard time keeping my room clean. And my parents are always telling me, keep your room clean, do this and do that. And, and I just remember being so frustrated. Just say, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, just tell me what to do. Because when we are frustrated with our own ability, sometimes we just want someone to give us the steps, give us the keys, tell us what to do, give us the shortcuts. Jesus says, you want to know how to do the works of God? This is how you do it. Believe in the one whom he has sent. In other words, you want to know how to do the work of God? Trust the one that whom he has sent. If I was in that moment, I would have made a terrible disciple in that moment. I would have said, Jesus, tell me what to do. You want to know what to do, Billy? Trust. I would have been like, like, like no, what's the steps? Like, do, I, do you want me to go break up with somebody? Do you want me to, like, quit my job? Like, what do you want me to do? Like, growing up as a kid, we just want to be told what to do. But when you start following Jesus, sometimes he tells you to do things uh, that you don't really want to do. You want to know what the work of God is? Trust him. 
It's easy to trust God at Amplify Conference. It's easy to trust God when the lights are on and we're singing, not for a minute. Was I? Everyone's like, yeah. You know it's hard to trust God Monday morning? You know when it's hard to trust God when that person that you thought was for you all of a sudden is against you? You want to know how hard it is to trust God when the people that you thought had your back actually don't? It's easy to follow Jesus when the lights are on and the preacher's preaching. And the pastor's encouraging you. What are you going to do when it's just you and him? In John chapter 1, it says this about Jesus. It says he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. What does that mean? It says they came to him. He came to them, but they missed him. They saw him for who he really wasn't. I'm learning this about God. Uh, one of my mentors says this. He says, the God you see is the God you get. In other words, if you see God as this person that's disappointed in you, you'll always approach him as someone who's disappointed in you. If you see God as someone you have to make happy, you'll always be nervous around him and always be checking and walking on eggshells. But if you see God as someone who already loves you, who's already pleased with you, that's proud of you, that sees something in you, you'll come confidently to him. And he'll change your perspective. See, we can't miss it. When Jesus comes on the scene, we have to realize he's trying to teach us something about himself. There's three things tonight as we end Amplify Conference. I want you to leave remembering these three things. Three things that you cannot miss about God. And they're all found here in John chapter 6. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write them down. Number one, don't miss this God as source. Do not miss God as source. It's so easy sometimes to think that we are the source of our own life. It's so easy to put money in your bank account, to put some fame on your Instagram account, to put some status on your life, that you can start to think you are the source of your own happiness. I say it like this. Happiness only comes from what's happening. But joy comes from God. There is a great difference between happiness and joy. Everyone wants to be happy. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. But sometimes we're only happy because something has happened. Joy is something that can't be moved. Joy is something that comes straight from God. Joy is a source from God. It gives you the strength that you already have been asking for. I'm learning this about young people. We ask for strength. We just ask the wrong people. We ask people to hold our lives when their hands aren't big enough. We ask people to step into our lives and be an answer that they don't have the capacity to be. We see it all the time. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, you, you know, someone starts coming to church, and I love Jesus. I got saved, and then they start dating somebody. And I'm a youth pastor, and I'm kind of like worshiping, but I'm like, you know, why, why she ain't lifting her hands anymore? And then they start dating, and maybe they come to church, they miss a couple services here and there, and then, you know, you don't see them for a little bit, and then something happens, a breakup happens, and she comes back and she says, Pastor Billy, oh, I don't know what happened. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, sweetheart, it's okay, God has a plan for you, it's all good, I just, I don't even know who I am anymore. Why is that? She has placed so much of her identity in someone that can't hold her identity. <clears throat> Hear me when I say this. Temporary fixes cannot satisfy eternal longings. We got to break that down for a second. A temporary fix cannot satisfy an eternal longing. There is a longing in each one of us for God as source. 
But what happens is we sometimes look to find that in our career. And we put all our identity in our career, and then when we lose our job, we forget who we are. Or we say, oh, I love this person. I'm going to put my heart and soul into this person. And then, God forbid, something happens, we, we forget who we are. See, we need somebody from outside this temporary existence to step in. We need somebody that's bigger than this life. We need somebody that's pointing us to something greater than just the moment. Everyone in our generation, just enjoy the moment. Just enjoy the moment. You only live once. YOLO, you know, enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. Uh, but what if there is actually more to this life than just this life? We have to recognize God as source. Jesus is talking to these guys, and, and they say, like, do a sign for us. Like, prove to us that you are who you say you are. Verse 31, John chapter 6, it says, our fathers ate manna in the desert. I love this so much. He's referring, they're referring to Moses and the children of Israel. You could read about all this in Exodus and and Numbers and Deuteronomy. and, and, And in the wilderness, they were eating manna. God was providing for them in the wilderness. Let's just stop there for a second. It doesn't matter where you are in life. If you call out to God, he will feed you. It doesn't matter how dry your life is. It doesn't matter how broken your life is. It doesn't matter how much you've done wrong. If you will cry out to God, he will feed you. He will set a table in the presence of your enemies. He will set a table in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes God likes to do something crazy, so he gets all the credit. It says, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. And Jesus says, hold on a second, guys. Moses didn't give you that bread. You got your source mixed up. He says, but it was my father who gave you the true bread from heaven. In other words, this source came from a place that you often miss. It's easy to think your job pays you. It's easy to think that something temporary can fix you. But beyond this temporary place, there is an eternal God longing for you to see that he's the one. He's your source. And so if we're truly going to see him for who he is, we have to see him as source. You ready for number two? Not only is God as source, but I cannot miss God as satisfaction. I cannot miss God as satisfaction. Like I said, my wife and I just moved to L.A. We live in West Hollywood. About three weeks ago, we moved. And I had gone to L.A. back and, you know, gone to visit places and stuff like this. And, and L.A. for us was like, oh, we come out every couple times a year and that thing. And, and when we were down there, we would always see this hot dog stand called Pink's. Amen. And, and we'd always see it. We'd always drive by it. Line was always down the street and people, all this stuff. And so the other day, we're driving. It was like 1030 in the morning. You know what I'm saying? And, and we're driving. And I remember I was driving, and I saw it. And she was on the phone, and I looked at my wife, and I'm like, do you want pinks? And she was like, no. And then we both looked, and then she looked again, and she was like, yes. <laughs> and we pulled into this hot dog place, and, and we, we, there was no line, 1030 in the morning, you know, hot dogs for breakfast. And, and, and we get there, and, and we're, we're talking to the guy, and we're new, so we're kind of like, do you guys have bacon-wrapped hot dogs? And, and he kind of laughed at us. He's like, no, nah, but we put bacon on the hot dogs. I'm like, this is my kind of hot dog place, you know. And so we ordered our hot dogs, and we're sitting there, and, and, and we start eating. And I was just like, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it, was, it was amazing. It was one of these things where I was like, Oh my gosh, like I felt like I just got saved. Like this is like this is incredible. And it 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 was one thing to drive by all the time and see it. It was a different thing when I actually experienced it. Okay? You can come to church 
52 Sundays a year and still not experience God. You can drive by miracles all the time, but not experience him for who he really is. Sometimes you've got to get to a place where you say, I'm tired of looking. I'm tired of watching. I want to taste this thing. I want to feel this person. I want to know that he can satisfy me like nothing else can. If you're going to leave Amplify Conference, it can't just be Amplify Conference that gives you satisfaction. It can't be like, man, what a fun time. Man, these sweaters are cool. Man, it was so funny when that dude ate the goldfish. My God. I was so stressed watching that. I was like, no, friends, we have to see God as our satisfaction. Look at John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus comes to these men and he says, uh, uh, I just want to let you know, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never what? Come on, talk to me. He who comes to me shall never. Just coming to him brings you satisfaction like you don't even have to do anything when you get there it's not like when you come up to the altar God is sitting there going okay let's see what you got no when you come to the altar he's got his arms open he's just glad you came we serve a God that's just glad that you came there's a moment in the scriptures where Jesus tells his disciples get in the boat and go across the, uh, the lake and as they're going across the lake a storm comes and the disciples are freaking out, and they're worried, and they're scared. They're yelling at each other. And then Jesus comes walking on the water to meet them. Y'all know this story? Yeah, when I get to heaven, I want to watch this on the DVR. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to see this happen. Because we often think, you know, that Jesus just kind of saw him and just kind of walked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, you guys are good. You know, walked back. But you have to remember, this is a storm. Jesus is walking over the waves. <laughs> what the problem was, Jesus was on top of. See, you might have came this weekend worried about some waves. When I read that story, it reminds me Jesus is on top of the problem. He comes walking to them. And the Bible says he gets there, and he doesn't get into the boat. He stops, and he says, hey, guys, it's me. And you remember what they say? They say, it's a ghost. Was it a ghost? No. They are so worried that they don't see him for who he really is. They are dealing with the fear. They are dealing with the worry. They've got anxiety. They are stressed. They wish they never would have got on that boat. They've probably got regret. And so when Jesus comes to save them, they can't see him for who he really is. Have you ever called Jesus a ghost? Have you ever have a moment where he wants to satisfy you, but you, you kind of don't see him? That can't be Jesus. You ever have a moment where he says, really, you can stop doing this. You don't need this anymore. I'll satisfy you. And you see him and you're like, nah, that's not Jesus. You ever have a moment where maybe the pastor comes up and says, man, I feel like God is calling us to do something. And you're kind of like, maybe for them, but nah, I, I, I don't see it. That's a ghost. The God you see is the God you'll get. If you want to be satisfied by him, you have to see him as satisfaction for you. You have to have this moment. And he gets there and he says, guys. It's me. Peter stands up. He says, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. Jesus says one word, all gospel accounts, come. Isn't that the beauty of the gospel? Just come. Isn't, isn't that amazing? He doesn't say think. He doesn't say analyze. He doesn't say work. He doesn't say strive. He doesn't say any of that. The only word he says is come. 
Just like he says here in John chapter 6, whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Friend, Jesus will satisfy you if you'll come to him. Satisfaction is not a one-time thing. It's not like you just lift your hand once to get saved and you're good. Every day I've got to come back to him. Every day I've got to meet him here again. Every day I've got to go get him. I've got to come to him. I've got to love him so that he can show me who he really is. We can feel him when we truly know him. Flannery O'Connor said this. She said, to feel him, we must know him. To really feel God as our satisfaction, to really feel him as the person he says he is, we've got to know him for who he really is. We've got to open our Bibles. We've got to ask our pastors. We've got to be in our connect groups. We've got to get around other Christians and just start asking questions. Why did Jesus do this? There is no dumb questions when it comes to knowing Jesus. I read the Bible sometimes and I'm like, why? Why did he say that? Why did he do that? What am I saying? I don't understand, but I'm not going to stop at that. There is a world out there that can't figure out the first step of the gospel, so they just give up. But I want to encourage someone here tonight. If you will keep going, you will see something you've never saw before. So we've got to see God as source. We've got to see him as satisfaction. Uh, I want to move quick here. There is a verse in Isaiah 55 that I I love this so much. And I want you to see again, uh, verse 1 and 2 in the English Standard Version. It says this, uh, the first word, number one, say it with me. Verse 1. Come. There it is again. The prophet Isaiah says, come, everyone who thirsts. Are you thirsty? Do you want satisfaction? Just come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine, come buy milk without money and without price. Here it is. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? In other words, why are you wasting so much energy on something that can't satisfy your soul? Why are you so anxious about something so small? Why are you so stressed about something so temporary? Why are you spending what you have on something that can't satisfy you? As we've been learning this weekend, if we're really going to go after Jesus, we've got to give him everything. One preacher says, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. There is no part-time discipleship. There is no clocking out in the kingdom of God. Once you're in, you are giving him everything, and he will satisfy you. So notice this in verse, 50, uh, verse 1 and 2 of Isaiah 55. He says in verse 1, come everyone who thirsts, and he who has no money. As I get ready to close here, verse 2, it says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Might be too deep here, but I want to show you two groups of people in this particular passage. In verse 1, it says, come who has no money. He's speaking to one group of people. He's speaking to people that have no money. They're broke, and they know it. They know they're broke. The second group in verse 2, he says, why do you spend your money? So I know he's talking to about two people because the first group has no money, and now the second group, he's talking to people that have money, but they're spending it in the wrong places. Okay? There are two types of people that we are to reach as the church, people that have no hope and people that have the wrong hope. The people that have no hope are broke, and they know it. They need a touch from something. These are the people that have tried everything else, and nothing has worked. The second group is the people that have hope, but they have it in the wrong things. They have it in something temporary. They have it in something man-made. Jesus says we are called to reach these people and point to him as satisfaction. So if I want to see him for who he is, I have to realize that he is my source. I have to realize that he is my 
satisfaction. And lastly, number three, as the band comes, joins me. Number three, we have to realize God as sustenance. We have to realize sustenance. That word means food that brings us nutrition. We have to recognize God as sustenance. We have to recognize him as somebody that we can feast on, that we can, that we can internalize, that we can eat of this good book called the Bible, and it changes us from the inside out. The story continues, and they, they kind of go back and forth in John chapter 6. Jesus says, what do you guys, you guys are just coming because you want a miracle. And they're like, yeah, show us how to do what you do. And he's like, just believe in me. And then they say, okay, well, prove to us that you are who you say you are. Like, give us a sign. You remember Moses, our father, they have bread. They had bread that came down from heaven. Can you, can you give us some bread? Jesus, in classic Jesus fashion, he kind of looks at him. He's like, you want to talk about bread? Matter of fact, I am bread. And they're like, what? He says, you want to talk about manna that came from heaven? He says, I am the true bread that came down from heaven. I am what you're looking for. I am the end of the search. I am the fulfillment of your soul's longing. He says, you guys are missing it. You're trying to land where you think the platform is, but you keep smacking up against the side of it. You keep trying to call me something I'm not. You think I'm a ghost. This weekend, maybe Jesus was just a cheerleader, and he's like, you're awesome, you're awesome. No, friend. Jesus is not a three-day conference. Jesus is not just a song. He is more than that. He is more than once a week. He is more than a 35-minute message. He is everything to you when you see him for who he is. He says, you want to talk about bread? I am bread. Hear me on this. In those days, bread was not how bread is today. Like, we can go to the store and get bread right now. We can go to the drive-thru, get something with bread. In those days, bread was a very strenuous process. Like, you would cook bread all day. And it would take hours for the, for the yeast to rise. It was a slow process. Following Jesus takes patience. And then what would happen is people would come over to your house, and you would prepare bread with them. And you would break bread. You wouldn't just dine and dash, eat and then take off. You would sit. You would relax. Bread was about bringing people together. Jesus seems to always bring people together. And then bread in those days was so thick and heavy that when you ate it, you couldn't just leave and walk back to your house because as you're walking, you start to feel it in your stomach. You know what I'm talking about? There is something about following Jesus that you have to internalize him. You have to let him sit. You can't just come to church and then go back to the world. You can't just say, oh, I'm just here for a good word and I'm going back. You have to marinate on him. You have to let him into your life. You have to feast on who he is. Something happens when you see him as bread. You start to sit and wait. When you do your devotions in the morning, you're not keeping your clock on. I got five minutes, Jesus, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, I got to go. No, even the smallest moment with Jesus can feel right if you will rest. Slow down. They say, Jesus, give us some bread. And he says, guys, you keep talking about bread. I am bread. And he goes, matter of fact, he says this in verse 53. He says, truly, I tell you, unless you eat me, you will not have eternal life. In verse 53, he says, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Let's be honest. If you heard that for the first time, you would be out. You say, this guy is crazy. 
The text tells us that from that moment, many disciples stopped following him, which where he turns to Peter says, are you guys going to leave too? And he's like, where else are we going to go? What Jesus is saying is he's not talking about eating his physical body. He's saying there's something about internalizing me. There's something about letting me into your life. There's something about feasting on who I am that can change your very existence. One of, one of our friends recently just had a baby, and uh, he, he comes to church, and they got one of those, you know, front backpacks that the baby sits in. Have you seen this before? It's like you, you put this thing on, and the baby sits there. And you can walk around, and the baby's just kind of sitting there, you know, walking around. And, and I, you know, he's like four months old, and we're in church, and we're just talking after church. And the baby's kind of like, eh. And, and the dad just kind of pulls like a cracker out, and the baby just ticks it, put it in his mouth, and just start chewing. And it hit me. He doesn't have to teach his son how to digest food. Might have to teach him how to get it to his mouth, you know what I'm saying? Don't put it in your nose, that kind of stuff. But it's not like the dad, once it gets in his mouth, he has to tell the son, okay, now let it go down your esophagus, let it go down into your system, you know, just, no, we've all just been created, wired to digest food. I think when Jesus says, I want you to eat my flesh, he's saying, I want you to do what you've been wired to do. Don't overthink it. Yes, a pastor will teach you how to get it to your mouth. It'll teach you how to prepare it. But at the same time, you've been created just to let him in. You've been created for love. You've been created for a connection with a divine God. There is something about just letting him in. It changes who you are. There's a man in the scriptures, Genesis chapter 8, that had to let God in. Had to let him come and meet him. Bible says there's a man named Jacob, and Jacob is on the run from his brother. He is running from him. His brother wants to kill him. Talk about family drama, when your own family wants to kill you. And it says he gets into this wilderness, and he's sitting there. He lays his head down on a rock. That's how stressed and worried he is. He's sleeping on a rock. And as he sleeps, the Bible says he has a dream. And God visits him. It says that in this dream, he sees a ladder coming from heaven. And he sees angels going up the ladder and coming down the ladder. And in this moment, Jacob has this encounter with God where he sees God coming to him. Don't be mistaken. The gospel is not that we go to God, but that he comes to us. The gospel is different than any other religion. Every other religion says you got to do more to get to God. God says, I love you so much, I came to you. I met you in your reality. I met you in your problem when you couldn't even figure out the steps to take. I came in the midst of your mess and told you how much I love you. We pick it up in Genesis 28. I swear I'm almost done. Genesis chapter 28, the Bible says this. I don't have it in my notes, so I need to read it right here. It just kind of came to me. It says this, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Huh. In other words, God was here the whole time. But I didn't know it. I didn't expect him to be in this place. Like, I expect him to be in church. Like, I expect him to be in the moment when the worship leader says, Lift your hands. But like when my own brother's trying to kill me, I didn't expect him to be in this place. And he says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. He says, the Lord is in this place. How does the Lord get to this place when we let him come to this place? 
I don't know how your weekend was. I don't know how your day has been. But I know that God loves you way too much just to be sitting on the outside of your life. He loves you way too much just to sit and watch you struggle. He wants to come in. He wants to be your sustenance. He wants to be your satisfaction. He wants to be your source. But will you every day let him in? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.